Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My loves, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dive deep? Or do you feel like you need some time away from the people, place, and things that make up your current life? It could be both. You're like, I need to get the fuck away from everything and everyone. And I'm also ready to take my spiritual path to the next degree, honey. Okay? Regardless of what it is, I got you. There's two legendary, amazing, delicious opportunities for us to practice together in person this year. The first one is at the iconic Omega Institute in New York, upstate New York. And the second one is in Mykonos, Greece, honey. And both of these retreats are going to be a combination of the spiritual dance practice, also known as the SAT method, also known as the spiritual workout, and Dharma talks. So let me break this down for you. The SAM method, for those of you who are like, what the fuck is that? It's a practice. Uh, it's an experience. It's a, it's, a, it's a performance art healing experience that I created um, that combines ecstatic dance, meditation, breath work, and mantra. And these four practices are here to activate, amplify, and energize the four qualities in your heart, according to Buddhist psychology, which are love, compassion, joy, and wisdom. So during the retreat... And, and upstate New York is five days, excuse me, six days, five nights. And Greece is eight days, seven nights. I'm going to tell you more about this in a second. But during the retreat, we're going to dance. We're going to dance twice a day. Okay. And dance as much as you want. Move as much as you want. But the whole purpose of the, of the movement is for you to actualize what you learn during the theory part. Where we're going to sit around and I'm going to explain to you through, through the, the, my interpretation and my understanding, my studies of Buddhist psychology, I'm going to give you all that I know during that dedicated, you know, retreat time away from the people, place and things that make up your current experience. You're going to be devoted towards your heart, towards your liberation. Therefore, you're going to be able to then actualize that which you learn during theory in the dance floor. And then you're going to be, be able to bring that all back into your life once you leave the retreat. Going to retreat has been one of the best things that I've ever done for myself. It has changed my life. And you've heard, if, you, if you're a listener, uh, an avid listener to the podcast, you've heard me talk about going on retreats over and over again. If you've read my books, you know that going on spiritual retreats, it's how we take our practice to the next level. Oftentimes we do need to take time away from people, place, and things that make up our current life in order for us to truly discover who are we really and what is it that I want to do in my life. And maybe you're like, I already know who I am and I'm already happy with what I'm doing in my life, but you want to actually bring more joy, more bliss. You actually want to be happier, more playful, more lighthearted in more lightheartedness into your life. This retreat, these retreats are for you. You can either come to one or you can come to both. 
It doesn't matter. The point of the Psalm method, the spiritual workout, the spiritual dance practice is for us to say fuck off to people that says that when you are a disciplined spiritual practitioner, you become more serious. That is a lie. Okay. The truth is the deeper you become, the, the, the deeper you, you, you enter into the spiritual path and the more you're disciplined about your spiritual liberation, the more playful and lighthearted and more smiles and more humor and more laughter your life becomes filled with. Okay. So click the links in the show notes and I hope to see you at in upstate New York at the iconic legendary Omega Institute. Uh, let me tell you the dates. Uh, upstate New York is June 19th through the 24th, okay? And Greece is um, October 8th through October 15th, okay? And if you have any questions or concerns about the retreats, when you click the link in the show notes, um, or so you can visit my Instagram bio or my TikTok bio to get all the details for the, for the retreats. If you have questions, just go onto the retreats website and, and click over there to find out how you can talk to the retreat producers. They're both amazing powerhouse companies that are producing my retreats. They will be able to help you with anything you need, okay? I love you all so much, and I cannot wait to practice with you and get free with you. Love you. Peace. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show. The following podcast was recorded live on Quilt. Okay, so let's use the example. Let's use the example of my boyfriend, right? This is someone who's a deep practitioner who has like a solid, very, very disciplined practice, who's been meditating since he was nine years old. He's been in preschool since he was 12. Um, you know, was already working as a guide, as a teacher since he was 19. For him to say, I don't want to be downstairs with all these, uh, you know, people who are drunk and high, um, that's an act of self-preservation. That's not spiritual bypassing. In the past, in the first few years of my, I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm going to continue to explain this to you more and more, so just, just, just hear me out. In the beginning of my sober journey, I would never, ever, you know, I'm sober four years now, um, four years and in, in, in almost a month now. So in the, in the first couple of years of my sober journey, I would never, I would never go to a bar, to a club, and I would never even think of going to Vegas. Fuck that shit, you know? Um, why? Because everything about these places were triggering for me. And, and, and at the beginning of it, that was an act of, of self-preservation because I needed to preserve my energy in order for me to develop my mind, in order for me to open my heart, in order for me to energize my body in such a way that I could continue to progress on the spiritual path. So that was self-preservation, okay? Now, if I would go my entire life not going to, to Vegas, to the club, to the bars, hanging out with people who drink, hanging out with people who do drugs, if I would never hang out with anyone who does drugs, drinks, um, or... or, or uh, you know, does drugs or drinks, whatever it may be, whatever sort of unskillful, harmful behavior that they do. And I will never see any of them and I will never engage with any of them. Um, if after the point that I had already like sort of established a, a, a certain set of, a certain, after, after a point that I had already established 
a, a new psychological platform, a new spiritual point of view, a new openness of my heart. If I would never put myself back into those places, I would be then spiritually bypassing. So self-preservation, and I just gave you some top-level thing. Are we landing? Is it starting to land and arrive for you? Are you guys starting to arrive somewhere together? Yeah? Okay. Very well, very well. So when we're talking about self-preservation, we have to recognize this. Is it new or is it a no? Is it new or is it a no? So oftentimes we are misinterpreting a no because it's new. You know, for instance, me going into a bar at the beginning of my sober journey, it was a new for me. It was a full body no. But unless your nervous system and your mind are calibrated in a certain way, you're going to misinterpret. And someone's telling you, hey, um, hey, you should be going to, to, uh, to bars, you know, as, uh, you should be putting yourself out there. You should be, you should be going to, to these places. They're very, it's like, it's once, let me give you another example. It's like when someone set, when someone leaves their home for a couple of years, because they're going, they're leaving the place that they've, that the trauma has been co-created. They're leaving the place that so much pain has taken place, right? They're leaving those places. And then now they're, they're, they're taking time away to, to, preserve their energy, to rebuild themselves. And as they rebuild themselves, then, then they say, oh, I'm so liberated. I'm so free. I'm so happy. I'm so in line. I, I'm never going back to that family because those people, hell no. They're so toxic. They're so unenlightened. They're so unskillful. They're so harmful, destructive. So you saying, you saying no to that, this is an act of spiritual bypass. To reintegrate, to, to, to reintroduce yourself to your family, it's spiritual bypass. It's, a no, it's, it's you, it's the no that you're saying, it's actually spiritual bypass. It's not, it's not, it's not, what's happening, you're misinterpreting the feeling in your body because it's a new experience. Is this, is this making sense? Are we landing somewhere, you know? Um, so, so like that. You got to start thinking about the ways that you're saying no to, to, to people, places, and things uh, when it's actually just new for you. So from a spiritual preservation perspective, from a self-preservation perspective, we have to recognize when are we saying no because it's definitely a point, it's definitely a, a, a time for self-preservation and when am I saying um, no because it's new? And I, only you know only you know the difference when it's a no and when it's a, and when it's new. But the only way for you to know when it's new versus versus no is for you to train your mind so profoundly. It's for you to concentrate your mind so profoundly that you can actually hear the nowhere. You can actually hear the nowhere. Your spiritual heart. You can actually hear the part of you that knows best, the part of you that has the blueprint for your awakening, the part of you that has the, 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 the steps mapped out for you, the part of you that's, that has unwavering faith that everything that happens is for you, not to you, like that. Spiritual bypass, I see so often people using the word boundaries and they use the word protection. The truth of this is they're avoiding, they're neglecting. In the beginning of the spiritual path, you do have to preserve your energy. You do have to preserve your resource because you've been beaten, abused, neglected for so long 
And because of that, your internal resources are depleted. Your mind is scattered. Your, your, your whole mind and body system and architecture are traumatized. So you're constantly living in the past and living in the future. You're never in the now. So your, your resources are constantly depleted. Because of that, you do need to take time away to, 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 to go inside and, and, and rebuild yourself up. So that time is a time for self-preservation. It's a time when you take time away. When I was living in India and Nepal for almost three years, I wasn't talking to my parents every single day the way I do now. I talk to my parents maybe a couple times a day now and to my siblings a couple times a day now because I needed to preserve my energy. I needed to put my energy and my time towards sitting down to meditate, breathing, being of service, exercising, dancing, reading, being educated, sitting with my gurus, sitting with my masters. That was where the energy needed to go. So, and then the misinterpretation of self-preservation comes in, comes in when after years of, of feeling better, when you start to feel better and you notice that you're vibrant and you're, vi and you're, you're vibrant and people are, are, are being drawn to your light, they're being magnetized towards you, you've become magnetic, you neglecting the world, that beauty that shines from the inside out, that is spiritual bypass. You're saying, I'm not going back to my family. I'm not going to offer the blessings that I have acquired, the blessings that I have embodied, the blessing that I have become. I'm not going to give that to them because they're traumatized and they're going to traumatize me and they're toxic and they're bad people and I've changed and they didn't change. This is all spiritual bypass. And you're saying, I'm doing this because it's protection. I'm doing this because it's, 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 what I, it's preservation. No, sweet love. That is spiritual bypass. That is spiritual bypass. Now, self-preservation is a very different thing. It's a very different thing. It's a conscious choice to say no. And you actually know the reason why you're saying no. And the reason why, pay attention, the reason why you're saying no leaves no psychological residue. How often do you make decisions and how often the decisions that you make leave a psychological residue? When you say no to a friend, when it's spiritual bypass, there's a psychological residue. There's a lingering thought in your mind and a lingering feeling in your body. Oh, did I do something wrong? Did I offend them? Oh my God, I feel guilty. I should have done that. I should have gone. That is when you say, pay attention because this is very, this is where a lot of this stuff here is not black and white, but some of the stuff is. And when I say pay attention, it's because I'm giving you education that is black and white, that you can kind of really radically tell when you're, when you're actively looking at your mind and your body, when you're closing your eyes to the outside world and you're opening your eyes to your internal world, you can actually tell. When I say pay attention, that's what I'm saying. All right. So this part right here, when you make decisions, do they leave you with a psychological residue? Is there a gag reflex? Is there a sour taste in your mouth? Metaphorically speaking, symbolically speaking, of course. Okay. Like that. So when you say no to that friend or to that activity or to someone's behavior or to someone's style uh, of speaking, are you saying it as spiritual bypass? You're going to have a psychological residue. There will be a lingering thought and a lingering feeling of confusion. Now, when you say no to people, place, and things from a self-preservation perspective, there's no psychological residue. 
It's a statement with a period. And next moment. And next moment. And next moment. There is no lingering from the, from the previous moment into the next moment. There's no lingering from the past into the present. There's only present, present, present moment, present moment, and now this moment, and now this moment, and now this moment, like that. So one way for you to know, are you saying no because it's spiritual bypass? You're going to have a psychological residue. Are you saying no because it's, because because it's self-preservation? There's no psychological residue. Okay? Like that. Now, new versus no. The only way for you to know is this. Another way for you to know about self-preservation versus spiritual bypass. When was the last time you did something that asked you to get out of your comfort zone? Like, when was the last time you literally just, you know, went on a, on a drive to a completely different part of town? Or you ate dinner at a restaurant that, you haven't, that you've never read their reviews about? Or you just liked the name of the restaurant and the way you looked and you just went in? Or more or, or deeper, more profound, right? When was the last time you actually went to get your nails done and you did not bring your phone or you left your phone in a car because you chose to work, you chose to turn something that is innately image care and you chose to turn that image care moment into self, genuine self-care. And we spoke about this uh, a while before. Right, I've given a talk about this, image care versus self-care. We're not talking about that today, but I'm telling you that once you go into a place to get your nails, your eyebrow, your hair done, and you don't bring your phone, that act of choosing to not distract yourself, of choosing to meet the people eye to eye, of choosing to open your heart to them, of choosing to be in a space fully inhabiting the present moment, that is uh, you choosing to do that that is when you go from image care into self-care. And if you're not doing, if you're, if you're constantly not testing your edge, if you're constantly not stepping out of your comfort zone, if everything you do is this routine, oh, I go get my nails done, I bring my phone. Oh, I go get coffee at this place. And I'm always on the phone with my, with my boyfriend at that time. I go walk my dog and I'm always listening to a podcast. You know, I always eat these things. I only talk to these people. I only shop at this store. I only go to these places. If your life is a perpetual state of routine, it's because you are in your comfort zone. Comfort zone means, means spiritual bypass. I'm not asking you to every single day get to your house through a different road. I'm not asking you to take a shower and, and wash yourself from head to toe or toe to the head. I'm not asking you to switch things up all the fucking time. But only you know. Is this arriving for you? Only you know when you have become stagnant. Only you know when you have when you have landed at stagnation mode. And the problem with stagnation and complacency and laziness because there's sort of these attributes of of, of when life is okay. Unintentionally, we misinterpret them. Because we think that when we have routine and when our lives are going okay, we're not constantly, um, you know, there's, there isn't so much in and out and, and high and low in our life, in our external lives. We think that that, that means um, that we are, that we are uh, progressing. To a degree, that is true. But what we're looking for is a practitioner, is a, a saintly being, 
is a radical saintly being like all of us in this call, like all of us in this talk, who can, who can bring about internal psychological instability to every single circumstances. That's the thing. My boyfriend just arrived. That's what you heard was the door. Um, sorry about that. So this is the kind of thing that we have to be thinking about. Like that. Looking at, and, and so I'm giving you a wide view, a wide lens of how you could look at spiritual bypass and self-preservation. Now, on the other side, and some of the stuff that I'm talking about could sound a little contradicting because it really requires you to feel into your body in order for you to know the difference. Now, at the beginning, I do want you to have a very set routine. I do want you to wake up at 6 in the morning. I want you to be in, your cush in the cushion by 6.30. I want you to, to be done with your meditation by 7. I want you to be having a cough by 7.15. And I want you to be making breakfast and then going and then uh, starting your day, whatever it may be. I want you to have a very solid routine, morning routine. I want you to know the things, you, the ways that you, that you should, capital S, engage with the people in your work, you know, you don't talk to these kinds of people because they are they are they are the ones who celebrate and applaud harmful behavior and you come home you don't go to these you don't hang out with these people and you don't do these things because you know that these people and these things woo are are are, are people and are people and things that that celebrate and 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 um and are the 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 sort of the you know they create the perfect conditions and the perfect causes for the pre-existing condition for you to to go backwards um, so at the beginning, I do want you to be very careful, very skillful, very mindful. You never hear me say that word, but in this context actually works because the word mindful is so thrown around with such lack of integrity, such lack of care for what the word actually means. But in this context, it perfectly works. I want you to be very mindful of what you're doing and that's self-preservation at the beginning, right? So you're preserving your energy. You're not hanging out with the people. You're not. You're not hanging out with the people. You're not doing the things. You're not. You're not hanging out at the places that 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 would resurrect old versions of yourself. So that is spiritual. That is that is self-preservation. That is fully approved. I highly give you my blessing for that. Please do that for a while. And then at some point, when you notice that your life has become sort of stagnant, that your mind isn't experiencing new states of awakening, when your heart isn't experiencing deeper and deeper states of compassion, when your wisdom isn't sharper and sharper and more and more clear, when your joy isn't more and more and more unbridled and, and uninhibited and, 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 and literally per, permeated every area of your life, when your when your when your um, love isn't isn't so isn't utterly and profoundly understanding, when you recognize that your love, compassion, wisdom, and joy are sort of like stagnant, that I can have compassion for these people, I can have love for these things, I can be wise in these circumstances, I can be joyful in, in these um, exchanges. When your when your heart qualities aren't expanding because your life's routine has been so same sameness, 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 then that's when I need you to recognize that now self-preservation has, has, has been misinterpreted as, and you are in spiritual bypass. And that's when you actually go to the next level. That's when you make uh, spontaneous decisions. That's when you do become more spontaneous. Is this making sense? Are we landing somewhere? Are we landing? Are we arriving? Is this landing? Are we communicating? Yes? Yes, yes, yes. Hearts, 
signal something, you know, signal something that it's landing. Because I know this is tricky and I know it's, it could feel uncomfortable to, to get your whole reality shaken up, being like, oh my God, okay, I've been, I've been on a spiritual path. And, and, and let me tell you something. It took me about three years to meet people from my past again. Three years. So, and I'm not saying that my three years is yours, is your three years. No, you may need five years. You may need 10 years. Or you may need six months. I don't know. We all have different karma because of our past actions. We're living out the consequence of our past actions. So depending on the kind of life you've lived, depending on the kind of circumstances you've had, you may be awakening faster. And remember, it's not a race. It's a long-ass marathon. So take your fucking time. But I do need you to know the difference between spiritual bypass versus self-preservation. Are you doing things because you're preserving your energy or are you doing things because you're scared? Or you're, or you're not doing things because you're scared? Test your material. You know, test your material. Test your material. How often do you say no to people, place, and things because you're comfortable at home smoking pot and watching Netflix? And eating ice cream. Oh, it's self-care. No, it's not. Spiritual bypass. How often do you say no to the friend who's actually inviting you to sit around gossip at happy hour? Right? It's such a we live in such a, a twisted world. Right? It's, the, the, there's a, a, a time and a day. You know, I believe it's like five to seven. Right? In America, um, after work, it's called happy hour, where the drinks are two for one. So they call it happy hour. But it's not the happy hour. It's the hungry ghost hour. It's where you're insatiably consuming drugs and alcohol and hoping to find happiness, right? So going to, so, so, so saying no to the friend who invites you to happy hour is self-preservation. Until you get to a point where you're so secure and knowing who you are and knowing how you serve, knowing the steps to your liberation and what you need to do to contribute, that then saying no to them becomes spiritual bypass, you know? So often I'm hanging out with, with people um, who have different approaches to their path, you know? I have friends who are dancers, who are in the movie industry, who are, you know, actors, who are fashion designers. And I don't say no to their birthday parties. I don't say no to their dinner parties. I say yes. But guess what I do? I bring my non-alcoholic drinks, you know? And if they're smoking something and I want to smoke something, I bring an herbal cigarette. I bring something that won't intoxicate my mind. I make sure that I'm not intoxicating my mind. But I'm not saying no to the party. I'm saying yes to the party. But while at the party, I'm saying no to certain things and certain behavior and certain conversations because I'm not choosing to engage. I say self-preservation. I preserve my energy. And when the, when the environment becomes so heavy and, I, and I'm just not in that moment willing to be the purifier, willing to, the, to, willing to be the blessing factory, I step away. I go to the bathroom. I take, I take many deep breaths. And I pray for everybody who's at the party. Or I go dance in a corner by myself. 
Then I go back. And now I'm a blessing again. Now I can handle. Now I'm wise again. So you constantly have to know spiritual bypass versus, versus, versus self-preservation. Okay? And, and um, spiritual bypass also looks like you think that you can buy your way into enlightenment. You know, you think you can buy um, um, a fancy meditation cushion or an expensive mala bead or spiritual looking clothes or, um, or you can look very spiritual when you're practicing or you can look very spiritual on your Instagram. I don't look spiritual at all on my Instagram. I said no to that because that view, that, that perception of spirituality was me spiritually bypassing my demons. It was me neglecting the work by showing the world that I looked so enlightened, that I looked so transformed. Lies. You know. And then the moment that I started to actually meet my inner demons, truly do the profound work inside of myself, I started to dress more fashionable, more beautiful, more scandalous than ever because that is me being consistent to my authenticity, not to consistent to an image that, that portrays spiritual liberation. Does that make sense? So notice if you're, if, you're, if you're showing the world that you're so spiritual, the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you sit down to meditate, the way you dress, the kind of jewelry you have, the amount of crystals that you have, you know, all that stuff is bullshit. Really, trust me, I've sat around enlightened masters before. So grateful to have been around them. These are the most simple people ever. You know, there's no, there's no spiritual, there's, they're not, they're not trying to, they're not trying to, to show the world that they're spiritual. They're living in such a devotional spiritual practice that everything they do is spiritual. So noticing if how you present yourself to the world, if you're presenting yourself to the world in a spiritual way, um, but inside there's just enormous chaos. There's a, there's a lack of congruency here. You know, there's a lack of congruency here. Allow the way you feel to dictate the way you, the way you, the way you uh, dress. You know, and I know this could also be a little contradicting because when you are feeling like shit and you do put on a beautiful dress and you put on makeup and the high heels, your inner world may change. But but try to work all the way around. Try to try to really do your best effort to like develop your mind, open your heart, energize your body in such a way that you feel confident. And that feeling of constant confidence then orients how you how you look how you dress, how you present yourself, not the other way around. People, are, people who are in spiritual bypass are constantly presenting themselves really beautiful, beautifully, really articulate in their external world. But inside, there's so many cured, right? Perfect eyebrows, perfect nails, perfect lips, perfect makeup, perfect hair, perfect dress. Everything is so manicured about their external world. But inside, the conversation are always surface level when you get to know them. And this is not black and white. 
at all what I'm saying. It's actually very contradicting. But a lot of this, a lot of the higher teaching on the spiritual path do have a profound texture of contradiction. Because they're meant to twist your, they're meant to twist your condition. They're meant to pull your condition, your, they're meant to literally take your conditioning on a spin. And on that spin, it will dissolve itself, will, erad will, will eradicate itself. And then the new found truth will arise. You know, like that. So as we're, as we're thinking about this, I wanted you to constantly check in with yourself. Is this new or is it no? Have I been in my comfort zone for too long? Can I change something up? Can I step out of the comfort zone? You know, and the first step out of the comfort zone, I want it to be an act of altru an, an altruistic act. You know, we've been so afraid. We've been in so much fear with the pandemic. Right. I know I know literally so many people have died of COVID. Like it's insane how every week my dad gets a phone call from one of his friends who's died of COVID because they're living in Brazil. Same thing with friends in India, you know, uh, and same thing with, with my best friend's dad who died of COVID in December. Um, and then just like my parents both had COVID, my mom got diagnosed with COVID the same week that she got the biopsy results that she had cancer. So anyways, point what I'm saying with all this, if you're fully vaccinated or if you're not, whatever it may be, as you feel comfortable, I want you to, I want your first step out of your comfort zone to be something that is altruistic in nature. If you've never, if you've never served a, a hot meal to a homeless, to someone who's unhoused, then do that. If you've never bought four cups of coffee and brought to the park where the unhoused live at, do that. If you've never gone to your local um, um, uh, store like a Target or like a Walmart or whatever store like that that you can find, you know, toys and dresses and makeup and you've never gotten a kit, you've ever put together a kit of all kinds of, 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 of beautiful things for young uh, women before and you never brought it to the, to the shelter where these orphan uh, kids live, then do that, you know. Find ways to step out of your comfort zone and make those ways be altruistic in nature. Those altruistic moves will, will, will literally start to eradicate, delete, and weed out your spiritual bypass tendencies from the garden of your mind. Altruistic, altruistic actions delete anything that isn't wholesome from the garden of our mind. And because we're speaking about spiritual bypassing, when you are altruistic, when you do, when you do an act of selfless service, you are deleting, eradicating all unwholesome tendencies from the garden of your mind. And in this case, you are deleting, eradicating spiritual bypass. Okay? Like that. Or um, I just want you to think, like if you're never, in, if you if you're that person who comes to the grocery store and says, "Hi, how are you?" and the person says, "Good, good, good," so you can both go away fast. If that's you, the next time say hi. Pause, breathe, inner smile. Respond. 
nice to see you. Or if you have the time in their presence, how are you, dear one? You never say bless you when you're leaving. Um, have a blessed day. Have a beautiful day. May all your dreams come true. Find ways to step out of your comfort zone, but make the ways you're doing it altruistic in nature because that will support you to do two things. Send out a blessing, and in its same breath, you are, you are, you are enhancing your inner resources. Blessings and service are, are, are replenishing of your inner resources. You think that blessings and service is, is draining? It's only draining when your mind is scattered. It's only draining when you think that you have to do service because it's your way of, of deleting spiritual bypass, right? What's the intention for doing? Is it because you have cultivated enough inner freedom and enough inner enough inner light and enough inner psychological stability that now is the perfect time for you to go out and serve the world? I spoke about this on an Instagram post the other day about demanding your happiness, demanding your freedom. Unless you demand your happiness, unless you demand your freedom, unless you demand alignment, this demanding is self-preservation. Demanding of your freedom is self-preservation. Demanding of your happiness is self-preservation. And then at some point, you have demanded your happiness uh, long enough that then your inner freedom and your happiness is more prevalent. And from that place, then you have, uh, you have access to, a, to a, a well, an unconditional well of resources. That you, can, that you can give. And every time you give, you get replenished. Your access to the well becomes bigger and bigger. You know, we're not trained like that. People, people think that we have to, to constantly protect ourselves. You know, they think that we constantly have to protect ourselves. There's nothing to protect. There's only, there's only, there's only to give. And this only lands when you are deep on the spiritual path, when you are really devotionally disciplined to become free. There's nothing to protect, only to give. Let me say this again. There's nothing to protect. There's only to give. But this only makes sense when you're deep and really profoundly devotional, devotioned, really profound devotion you know, to your freedom, to your liberation, then that is like a natural next step. You realize that I don't have to walk down the casino in Vegas protecting my energy. No, I'm walking down the casino in Vegas in my fucking full power and blessing everybody with a wave of love, with a wave of acceptance, with a wave, with a wave that's, that's judgment-free. Because I guarantee you, vast majority of people who are on, uh, you know, engaging in gambling and getting drunk and high for all hours of the days in these casinos in Vegas, right? They're judging themselves. So the judgment arises, and then they, when the judgment arises, there is a flare-up of the nervous system. There's tension in the mind. When there's tension in the mind and flare-up of the nervous system, what do you do? You find a way to cope. So you put more money into the slot machine, and you, and you entertain yourself. You light up another joint. You take a hit of another another um, drug. You sip another shot of tequila. You eat another piece of cake. You buy another pair of shoes. 
like that. So me walking around the casino and sending a blessing, a wave of non-judgment across all people at the casino, their, their nervous systems are receiving that. Their hearts are receiving that. So then instead of them judging themselves for having those, those unwholesome, destructive tendencies, then they're more relaxed. So there's nothing to protect. There's only to give. But I could only do that because I took time in my own space to meditate, to pray, to cleanse my body, to be with myself, to read, to become educated, to speak to loved ones, to offer support. And then I could go and be of support to strangers. And then I could go to be of support to strangers who are, who are actively engaging in destructive behavior. So there's nothing to protect. There's only to give. So we got to remember that, okay? We got to remember that. Um, one last thing I want to talk about, it's about empathy versus compassion, right? Because I think um, this is one other thing that I see very often on the Instagram spirituality world, that people are reading one book and calling themselves a teacher. Um, it's very, very... Um, um, it's very, very misinformed approach to, to such a profound path, right? So empath, empath versus compassion. People are saying, I can't go to this space and I can't hang out with these people and I can't, I, can't, I can't do any of that because I'm an empath. So here's the thing. If you're saying that your empathy is actually pulling you away from being in certain people, with certain people, at certain places, then you're 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 actually um, misusing and misinterpreting, and you've misunderstood what what the path of empathy is. Empathy is the gateway to compassion. People are saying, "I can't go to these things because I, I'm an empath, so I need to preserve my energy." So they think that them saying I'm an empath means it's self-preservation. But it's not. It's actually you're using the gateway to compassion, which is empathy, in a wrong way. Empathy, when it's when misused, is spiritual bypass. Empathy, when when used um, correctly, should move you into 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 compassion. Like that. So there's a lot of people who says, I can't do this or that. I can't hang out with these people. I can't go to these places. And again, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, depending where you're at on your path, right? But if you've, if you've been on a spiritual path for years and now you call yourself an empath, then I'm going to literally gag. Because you, instead of calling yourself an empath, you should call yourself, I'm compassionate. Saying I'm an empath after years of the spiritual path, you're, you, you're calling yourself, you're, you're saying I only have half of superhuman capabilities, now, when you're saying I have, I'm compassionate, then I, I have the full access to, to my superhuman capabilities, right? Like that. So let me explain to you. Empathy should be experienced like this. You go into a room, everyone is on crack, you know, and I'm speaking like they're so emotionally hungry, they're so emotionally thirsty, they're so psychologically wounded, they're so, um, there's so much pain that's happened in these people's lives. And you are entering into that room as an empath, as a profoundly uh, empath that understands that empathy is a gateway to compassion. They're entering this room 
or actually let me speak to the empath who is misunderstood the, the empath who is uh, misinterpreted who is speaking about it in a misleading way they're saying i'm an empath so when i go into the space where people are psychologically wounded they're depressed they're anxious or aka people use the word toxic which i another word that i don't like um they saying, oh my God, I go into this place and now I'm going to feel the feels of all these people and it's going to impact my well-being. It's going to impact my healing. So I can't go to those places. So that's the empath who is, who, who is uneducated. Now, the empath who is profoundly educated, who truly knows what empathy is as a gateway to compassion, they're saying I can go into these places, hanging out with these people and be around these feelings because when I breathe in their suffering, I breathe out the antidote. Their suffering is inspiration for me. And when you say I'm an empath and you are in, the, in a space where people are experiencing very, very challenging emotions, when people are experiencing very destructive uh, feelings and thoughts, and you pick up on it and, and it really sort of overwhelms you. In that moment of overwhelm, it triggers your own confusion. It triggers your own depression. It triggers your own anxiety, your own addiction. It triggers when, when their overwhelm permeates your system, when their destructive emotions or challenging emotions and destructive thoughts permeates your system. It overwhelms your system and it triggers your own destructive tendencies. You got work to do, boo. Because the path is of using the word empathy into compassion is being able to experience someone else's feelings. And in that same moment, you're not having psychological residue. What does that mean? Their depression, their suffering, their anxiety doesn't, when you feel their sadness and their, their stagnation and their, their frozenness, you know, that state of depression, when you experience their frozenness, it doesn't trigger your own confusion. What arises in you is the antidote, is a softness, is, a, is an ease, is profound wisdom. That is compassion. So now you've become an educated empath who actually knows to not use that word again. To actually know to say, I've been working on my empathy so much that now I've become compassionate. Now I actually know that, that, that compassion is love in action. That now I actually know that saying I'm a compassionate being, that means that I have taken a vow to help alleviate the suffering of all people and never neglect their suffering because it's theirs. No. You recognize that their suffering is part of your suffering, that your healing is part of their healing. That is you recognizing what compassion means. So if, if these, if these uh, concepts... Empathy and compassion are misinterpreted and miseducated and, and built on, on a faulty uh, perspective, then you're going to misuse your superpowers as spiritual bypass. Like that. Like that. But this takes work, right? This takes work. Okay? So, so know where you're at. Know where you're at and know where your work lies. It's so good to, to hear a talk, you know, or, or hear a friend or read something that it shakes up our world, that really puts us, it gives us an opportunity to look at our minds, look at our blind spots, you know. And when insight, when inspired wisdom, these profoundly 
radical ideas arise inside of us and they challenge the current concepts that we have, let's listen to those ideas and let's allow those ideas to pierce through the concepts that we have. When you don't listen to a profoundly inspired idea because, of the, because you're so solid and you're so in, in, in partnership with the concepts that you have about yourself and the world, that is spiritual bypass. Again, not, not self-preservation. So you see how it all happens. It happens internally. It happens externally. There's, it, it happens in a variety of different ways. So allow those profoundly inspired ideas that arise inside of you to challenge the existing concepts that you have. Oh, I can't do these things with these people. I can't be around those people. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have enough of this. Any of those concepts, when an inspired idea arises and the inspired idea pierces through those concepts and, and dismantles them and decolonizes your belief system on those concepts, listen to it. Allow yourself to, to build a new belief system that's based on those inspired ideas. And when you're taking time to build yourself based on those inspired ideas, that is self-preservation. Now, spiritual bypass will mean that when an inspired idea comes in, inside of you, when you listen to, an ins, to, a, to, a, to a, a motivational talk, to a spiritual talk, and that insight arises inside of you, but you say, no, this concept that, that I have about myself in the world, this is how I want to live, this concept matches what I value, and the truth is, you know that it doesn't. But you still choose to not listen to the inspired idea because you want to stay in your comfort zone. So that's spiritual bypass. Like that. Like that. Enough for today. I'm Sadi Simone, and you've been listening to The Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and reveal this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another spiritually sassy conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you. Bye.